0: Welcome. Well, you're at home with Jim and Joy, and you are an important part of our EWTN family, and we would love to hear from you. So send us an email with a question or a comment to Joy at EWTN.com. Well today, our guest is John Martinoni. John has authored several books on evangelization, and he is the director of evangelization for the Diocese of Birmingham. And he's here today to talk to us about a new book entitled The Blue Collar Answer to Protestantism. That's so hard. Protestantism. Protestantism. It is hard. It is hard to say. It's a tongue twister for me. It's available at EWTNRC.com. Yes. You help me with what I can and can't say all the time. And you Google my brain when you need to, and that's rather scary. (laughs) But anyway, so, you know, everybody's on a journey. There's yep. so many things to learn. I'm a convert. You're a revert. John's a convert. Is it John? No, he's no. not a convert. Yes. Um, but he's gonna talk to us about all that he's learned and understood because John for 17 years had a show on EWTN radio called Open Line yep. where he would take calls of people who had questions about the Catholic faith yeah. and about being a Protestant and how, how what were the answers? Are there answers? Don't I just need to read my Bible? And aren't me and God just okay? And so all those kind of things that John so eloquently would answer. Yeah,
1: I remember years back, maybe I was still in the Episcopal Church, and John had a show on... WDJC, it's like Crawford Broadcasting, here locally. I couldn't believe that he was on. I couldn't believe they allowed him, Mm -hmm. because it's a a wonderful evangelical Mm -hmm. station. And and they were good enough to say, okay. And John was just saying, you know, hey, I'm a Catholic. This is what I believe, you got any questions? And I was like, wow, that guy's something to do that. John's a great guy, uh, really eloquent, but down to earth, you understand what he's saying. And this is gonna be a real time. Please stay with us, because he's gonna equip you to do the work of of the ministry. It's gonna equip you better to love your Protestant brothers and sisters, many of whom are in our families, just to converse and have a dialogue so that they can really understand what Catholicism is about and perhaps come into a greater fullness of the faith. We have these dialogues because we love, we love one another, we love the body of Christ and we pray that we all might be one. A blue collar answer to Protestantism. John Martinoni, coming up, don't go away.
0: Welcome back. We're at home with Jim and Joy, and today our guest is John Martinoni. Now, John has authored several books on evangelization because he is the director of evangelization for the Diocese of Birmingham, Alabama. And he's here today to talk to us about a new book that he's authored entitled a blue-collar answer to Protestantism. Why Prote- can't I?
1: Protestantism, it's okay, I, so we're rude. together. Yeah. I know,
0: I, how many times have I said it in my life? And this great book is available at EWTNRC.com. God always wants to keep me humble. Anyway, Mr. John Martinoni, we're delighted to have you. Well,
2: it's a pleasure to be here, Joy and, and Jim.
0: But before we get started, people have heard your voice. Yeah. I mean, I used to listen to you in the car. Um, Tell our family a little bit about your journey, born and raised Catholic, but you kind of stepped out of the Catholic Church for a while. Right. Tell our our family your story. Well,
2: I'm from Huntsville, Alabama. Mm -hmm. And uh, as you said, I was born and raised Catholic, but I didn't really learn my faith growing up. And so essentially when I stepped onto the campus at the University of Alabama, I stepped right out of the church. And I was out of the church for 13 years lived what I call a perfectly world-class heathen lifestyle and uh, you know got my degree in finance MBA went to work for uh, uh, doing finance with government contractor and then with banks here in Birmingham and but it was when I went back to school to work on a PhD that uh, and I only did one year the program didn't like the PhD program but uh, during that year I started reading more about spirituality and, and, and the Bible and the faith <laughs> and Christianity than I was reading about finance and economics, which might be one of the reasons I didn't go back for the PhD program. But at the end of that year, walking off the campus at North Carolina, I walked back into the church. and But I still didn't really know my faith that well. Um, I was what you would call a cafeteria Catholic. I'd pick and choose what to believe what not to believe and uh, it was when I got into apologetics that I started learning what the church teaches and why it teaches it and time after time on those things that I didn't believe I would research why does the church teach that and every time the church I was like oh okay oh they've got a good reason for teaching this and yeah it makes sense and so after a while I started giving the church the benefit of the doubt and that's how I you know, grew in my faith and my spirituality. And as you were mentioning at the beginning, I ended up uh, uh, on WDJC, which is the largest evangelical radio station in the state doing a program on Catholic apologetics. It was called the Bible Christian Hour and Catholics were listening, Protestants were listening, and Catholics yeah. started calling, can you come talk at our church? Can you give a talk at our Knights of Columbus meeting? Can you do this? Can you do and, and it just grew and I ended up doing some talks that uh, Tom Price, who's at radio here, he's the program manager, uh, he recorded the talks for me because I thought you know maybe there'll be one or two people <laughs> might wanna get copies of the talks. I did four talks in a, on four Wednesday nights at the church and they started airing them on EW10 radio, which this is year 2000. Mm-hmm. So I think they had maybe eight or nine affiliates at the time and I didn't know they had AM and FM mm-hmm. affiliates because when he said, do you mind if I air these? I just thought shortwave, mm-hmm. okay, going everywhere. Nobody in the US would ever hear this stuff. And they aired the first one on a Sunday morning and I got back from mass and I didn't know they were airing it and there are all these calls on my answering machine. Mm-hmm like, can we get a copy of that talk? Can we get, so uh, a tape ministry was born. Right. And then I'd send out tapes of the talks. And uh, uh, then a month or two later, people call, can you come talk at our church? So Yeah, sure. Where are you? Well, <laughs> we're in uh, Sacramento, California. Mm-hmm. We're in Kalamazoo, Michigan. And I was mm-hmm. like, this is nuts. Mm-hmm. This is going crazy. And and it just mm. you know snowballed from there and uh, wound up Doing, starting the Bible Christian Society and doing apologetics and evangelization. And then our former bishop came to me one day and said, hey, I'd like you to be our director of evangelization for the diocese. Mm-hmm. That's it's great. like, okay, let's do that. And so that's basically how I got to where I am. It's mm-hmm.
1: wonderful. Thank you for your years of Service and responding to the voice of God and really knowing what you believe and sharing that with other people. You've always been right there in the trenches, you know, face to face with people, conversing, sharing. Uh, It's a beautiful thing. And for the many years at at EWTN and your service, which continues on, especially with this latest book. Um, So your book is broken down into two key sections. And the first section is problems with Protestantism. And you have some provocative, you know, kind of titles there. You have Protestantism makes God a liar. Jesus's church teaches error. Decapitating Jesus—that's that very graphic. Yeah. And what you know? So what? What? What's going on with
2: that? Well, what I try to do, I try to be provocative, because what I want to do is I want to get people who maybe they don't really care to bother talking about this. I want to force them to talk about this stuff because by dialoguing, by talking to each other, Catholic and Protestant, we can grow together in the body of Christ. And so the the provocative titles, like for example, Decapitating Jesus. Um, and, and every chapter, what I, what I, there's a caveat that not all Protestants believe alike. So Mm -hmm. some chapters apply to some Protestants, some chapters don't. Other chapters will apply to those that didn't the first time, but they do to those who did the second time and so forth. So um, decapitating Jesus, I've heard over and over again, I've had people tell me, and I've I've literally talked to thousands (laughs) of Protestants in the 25 years I've been doing this. And over and over again, I'm told, well, you go by what your church says, I go by what Jesus says in, in the Bible. So they're, they're <coughs> Excuse me. Having, they have this dichotomy between Jesus and the church. And, and it struck me one day, Say, like, you know, the New Testament says the church is the body of Christ. Uh, Ephesians 1, what, uh, 22, 23 talks about, you know, Jesus is the head over the body, which is the church, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Well, if Jesus is the head and the church is the body and you're telling me you go by what Jesus says and not by what the church says, you're you're dividing the church, you're separating the church from Jesus, you're separating the body from the head. Well, what's it called when you separate the head from the body? Decapitation. Mm -hmm. So that's why the chapter, decapitating Jesus. And again, it is purposely meant to be provocative to get people to go, well, number one to read what is he talking about, and then number two, to hopefully start a conversation, to start a dialogue. Yeah.
1: Well, why don't you unpack a little bit more because I think again it's we'll get in tomorrow you'll be back on, Lord willing, we'll be here. And and I, I think, you know, you have some questions that, that can't be answered by Protestants. This right. is what you claim. and we want to get to those questions in the second show, but this is kind of a question too. I mean, and I want you to go deeper into this, the relationship of Jesus and the body, the church, because I think this is really critical. I really do think if God gives a little light and grace, you know, and and it's not just what so many people are reared in. I have a personal intimate relationship with Jesus Christ. And, you know, I just go to the Word as best I can, and stand. but but you know, some people don't even go to church on Sundays, they don't think it matters, they can go on Wednesdays, that's the day, and so on, but this relationship of Jesus and the body, what is He in relationship to the body, and is there really revelation that's been given to the church that can keep us online doctrinally and morally? You know, because that's Jesus in, in, in the church.
2: Right. right. A couple of things. Number, number one is John, chapter one, it says, you know, I, I just mentioned from Ephesians 1.23, we see that the Word of God telling us that the body, the church, is the fullness of Jesus Christ. Then in John 1, it says, and from his fullness, have we all, <clears throat> excuse me, have we all received grace upon grace? So from his fullness, well, what's his fullness? Well, the Bible says it's the church is his full. So from the church, we are receiving grace upon grace. And if you like you said, well, if you're not going to church, how are you receiving grace upon grace? Well, I get it, you know, by reading my Bible. Well, the Bible doesn't say that. Mm -hmm. The Bible says you get it from Jesus's fullness, which is identified as his body, the church. (laughs) Furthermore, talking about doctrinal uh, teachings and so forth, what what are authentic Christian teachings, beliefs and practices? Well, how do we know? You know, you've got. I'm Catholic, and I I read my Bible and I pray, and 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 I try to strive to be like Christ and so forth. And let's say we've got a a Baptist here who they read their Bible, they pray, they're they're striving to live a, a life in in accord with with Christ and the Word of God. And we both read a Bible verse, and we disagree as to what that Bible verse says. Well. Let's say it's a very important verse about salvation, and we disagree on how one is saved. Who decides? Did Jesus leave us just with, well, it's it's your fallible opinion as to what it says versus my fallible opinion of what it says? Or did he leave us an authority which could decide these questions, these, these arguments, these differences between Christians? And Scripture, I think, is very plain that he did leave us as an and authority, the church. Because in uh, um, Matthew 16, Jesus says to Peter, thou art Peter and upon this rock I will build my church. So it's Jesus's church. And he says, whatsoever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatsoever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. And then in Matthew 18, he says the same thing to Peter and the other apostles. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. So the church has the authority to bind and loose. And whatever the church binds and loose looses on earth, God binds and looses in heaven. Which means when the church is acting in this role of binding and loosing, um, it seems to me that the church is what we as Catholics would call infallible in their teaching because God is not gonna bind error in heaven. Yeah. So yeah, it's very important, the relationship between Jesus and the church the head and the body and whatever the head has He shares with the body in differing degrees You know because the body is not divine. We as the church are not God but You're a father. I'm a father Well, Matthew 23 says we have but one father. That's correct. God the father, but because we are members of his body we can share in his Father. You can share in his fatherhood. Correct. I can share in his fatherhood. Uh, we can share in his role as mediator. Why? Because we're members of his body. Not in the same way, obviously, that he does, right. but in a way that he allows us by getting, giving us grace upon grace through the church. Yeah.
1: Well, <clears throat> so you're making the case and the Bible makes the case and sacred tradition makes the case of Christ the head the church, the body, the fullness of our Lord is dwelling within the body and so you keep mentioning church, church, and I, when Protestants hear church they might be thinking about their church, one of 30,000 right. mm-hmm. maybe churches and so on and say well no I, I go to church, you can't say I, I do go to church, I think the church is important and so we, you know my church believes in predestination and, and that, that's it so you know who's predestined and so on but you're, you're saying there's a particular identity to the church, you're speaking about the Catholic church correct and so that i think what we need to get across to them what you're trying to get across is you know how ecclesiology what is the church yes ecclesiology the study of the church and and you know how did jesus establish a church he preached the kingdom he did various things he said follow me but but you're saying there's an authority there's a structure that god placed within the body within the church and then i guess you got to make the case for that that this is the church he did that with
2: Yes. And that's what I tell. The first step is getting them to understand that church is important. Right. It's not Jesus or the church or the Bible or the church. It's both and not either or. Once you get them to accept that, then you say, okay, now let's have a discussion on exactly what, you, what is the church. Right. Right. You know, I'm claiming that the Catholic church is the church founded by Jesus Christ. If you dispute my claim, let's make our cases mm-hmm. as adult, mature Christians. Let's discuss because again, it's, it's, it's not trying to, oh, Catholic Church is right, Baptist Church, Evangelical Church is wrong, or I'm right, you're wrong. The question is, what is the truth? Mm-hmm. Because if you can convince me that the Catholic Church is not the church founded by Jesus Christ, I don't want to be Catholic mm-hmm. because I want to be in the church founded by Jesus Christ. So convince me that the Baptist church or your particular evangelical church or, or your non-denominational church, convince me that your church is the one founded by Jesus Christ. And I will be with you this Sunday's shoulder to shoulder worshiping and fellowshipping at your church. But I'm going to make a case for the Catholic church and the Catholic church, actually the Catholic church makes its own case Mm -hmm. and it can make a pretty good case. So, and there's. You gonna say something? Well, like, yeah. I, you know,
0: in Protestant land, as it goes, I mean, their church was founded when some, and as evangelicals, it's like, well, when that pastor showed up, right? And and so these are what he believes, and so I'm just gonna hang here. I like the worship, I like the people, we have good Bible study. I'm I'm growing, uh, and that's my measure, and that's all that I understand. Right. I don't know history. I don't know, you know, Jesus is here, we praise him and, and that's it. And that's all I need to know. And so when you say, well, then when, what happens if that pastor leaves? Right. Oh, well, then that, that whole church experience comes to an end.
2: Right, or somebody disagrees with the pastor, Right. what happens then? Mm-hmm. Who's right? Do you, do you give authority to the pastor to decide for you an authentic interpretation of scripture, or do you just say, well, no, I've read it. I've interpreted it for myself by after praying to the Holy Spirit, mm-hmm. and the pastor's wrong on that. So I'm gonna leave and go find another church, or maybe I'll even start my own church, mm-hmm. which has happened over thousands and thousands of times again. So, um, but you're right. A lot of people, their experience of church is just a relational experience. Hey, I like the people there. I mean, it's really good Bible study. Hang out with those folks. You know, we'll we'll go see baseball games or football games. All this thing, which is all wonderful. Mm -hmm. And there are a lot of things that Protestant churches do better than Catholic churches. And we as Catholics need to learn from their experiences. (laughs) But it all comes back to what is true. Mm -hmm. What is true? Did Jesus teach? that, hey, once I accept him into my heart as my personal Lord and Savior, that's it? My ticket to heaven is punched and nothing can derail that train? Mm -hmm. Or did Jesus teach about sin and the consequences of sin? That's one of the chapters in the first half of the book is sin has consequences.
1: John, we're going to have to pause right here. We're going to carry you over for the final segment. Thank God for sharing some real words of wisdom. So, We'll be right back. Plenty more to come from John Martinoni and his latest book, A Blue Collar Answer to Protestantism. We'll be right back. Don't go away. Having a wonderful conversation here with John Martinoni, no stranger to EWTN. And, John, we spent a good bit of time just dealing with ecclesiology, the nature of the church. Uh, Jesus is the head of the body. The fullness of Christ is in that whole. And we can go on and on for 10 shows. But I'm just wondering if there are other major areas that you want to alert us to or that are in the book regarding, you know, big questions regarding Protestantism, what they believe, how they go about doing that and not doing that catechisms things like that?
2: Well uh, a couple I'll mention real quick is number one in uh, many Protestant denominations not all they believe in once saved always saved well that means sin has no consequences because if you're saved you're going to heaven if you believe you're going to heaven if you don't believe you're not going to heaven whether you sin or not doesn't mean a thing Mm. so it has no consequences Mm. so that's one thing to think about another thing is the fact that in Protestantism you can't have a Protestant catechism. Now, uh, people tell, have told me, well, no, the Lutherans have a catechism, the Baptists. Yes, each individual denomination or, or non-denomination could have their own catechism. But for Protestantism as a whole, you cannot have a catechism. Whereas for Catholicism, you do. You, say, you ask me as a Catholic, what does the church teach on this? If mm-hmm. I don't know, I can say, look at the Catholic catechism. Mm-hmm. If, you, if I ask you as a Protestant, what does Protestantism teach on uh, the rapture? Well, there's no catechism to point to. Well, these people believe in a pre-tribulation rapture. These people believe in a mid-tribulation rapture. These people over here believe in a post-tribulation rapture. These people believe in all three and these people don't believe in any of them. So you can't have a Protestant catechism. Salvation by faith alone, some Protestants believe it, some don't. Uh, Baptismal regeneration, some Protestants (laughs) believe it, some don't. Some Protestant denominations have bishops, some have priests, others don't. Some have some sacraments, others don't. Uh, And So if you had a Protestant catechism, it'd have to be like this Mm -hmm. thick Mm -hmm. to cover all the variations of each doctrine and dogma within Protestantism. And to me, that speaks volumes that, okay, that means you have no authority, Mm -hmm. overarching authority to decide these very important questions on salvation, on baptism, on the sacraments, on confession of sin, on the consequences of sin. There is no authority within Protestantism that can definitively decide these questions. And again, I go back to, is that how Jesus Mm -hmm. would leave us? That's right.
0: And the misery of, once saved, always saved, sin has no consequences, then people say, well, then I, I doubt whether they were ever really saved. Exactly. And how painful is that for everybody involved? Yes. You know, it's like you, we're questioning your salvation. It's like, <clears throat> well, do, what do I have to do now? I got to go pray that prayer again. And now I really mean it. I really, really, really mean right. it. You know right. what I mean? And that's that's so grievous. John, yes. I
1: know you want to answer But you can't can't. because our time is out. (laughs) You know you've worked TV and you've worked radio. So we're glad to have you back tomorrow to unpack this more fully for the sake of the love and the unity of the church. So join us again tomorrow for more of John Martinoni, more of the Lord working through him. God bless you and all of your loved ones. Keep it on EWTN. Bye now.